What's going on, everybody? Hotep to the family. Ashe to all my people out there. Welcome back to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network, where we give our point of view of controversial topics from experience, history, and knowledge as African American. Um, I'm here with my co-host. To the right of me is Shaquan Battle. Okay. To the right of him <laughs> is Jerome Battle. What up? Um, uh, we appreciate all of the feedback that we got from last week's episode. Um, a lot of people uh, really talked about how they didn't know a lot of the information that we were giving out. And a lot of people said that they went back and watched previous episodes um, because I believe last week's episode really made people aware of the things that we were talking about. So uh, absolutely, a lot of great feedback. And we really appreciate everybody that even watched. You know, whether you watch a full episode or you just watch the clips on Instagram or Facebook, we appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens to us um, on any platform. That's right. Um, today's episode, we haven't done a sponsor in a while. Let's bring back the sponsor. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by uh, Serenity Sense LLC, where we pride ourselves in providing all natural, clean burning wax milk products. We have a large variety of luxury scents to fit your individual preferences. We take pride in delivering our wax melts to you because we are passionate about creating unforgettable fragrances. Um, again, this is owned by my wife, Arisha Stevens. Um, I have here strawberry pound cake, which goes into the vehicle. I'll let my co-host smell oh, I, I got this in the car. Right now. Um, I have oh, tangerine okay. passion. I like that. Uh, wax milk. That's that tangerine passion. These are some of the newer products that she has. Um, they're in a few stores. They are in the old Vista Food store and in um, Fruit Mountain store going towards the Peaks of Otter. Tangerine they're passion. there. I have here a sea salt orchard. They go into the home as well. Mm. And she has a new carpet freshener that has just been released. Um, and that smells great as well so again serenity sense llc you can follow her on facebook on at serenity sense and on instagram at serenity sense yeah yeah absolutely great smelling products um so we're gonna jump right into this episode uh so today um we really want to talk about the the black visual so the reason why I want to talk about this is because movies, TV shows, all of these things, um, you're starting to see people talk about how a lot of visuals are a detriment to the African-American community. That's right. Um, so we're here to talk about that today. Not only talk about the negative, we're going to talk about the positives of the black visual. Um, we're going to talk about some things that we look to um, we look to see in the future more from uh filmmakers or people who are writing books or uh um people who are doing art we have to begin to look at the black visual as we talked about previously on the episodes when you walk into a classroom you know you want to see those black pictures on the wall um for our kids out there they really need to see a positive representation of themselves that's right. so that's the reason why we want to talk about this topic um, and I'm going to start with giving y'all know, I'm going to give a chronology of history uh, before we go into anything, because I want to bring you up to why this is important and why we should be looking as African-Americans to create better and positive content 
by the African-American and for the African-American audience. So in the late 1800s, they had what they call minstrel shows. And the minstrel shows would be white entertainers who would paint their faces black and they would outline their lips in red or something, whatever, to make their eyes look bigger and their lips look bigger. As you see the black face today, this was a, a, a known thing back in the day where instead of casting black members, you would just paint your face black and you would do what they call uh, cooning. That's right. And you would make fun of the stereotypes of African-Americans. You would create stereotypes of African-Americans and you would degrade them on film. And in 1890, Thomas Edison created a peep show where he always degraded African-Americans in visuals. Um, one popular one was a race between two African-Americans eating watermelon. And this, this, uh, this just blew up. So everywhere you looked on postcards, in the newspaper, there were pictures of African-Americans eating watermelons. Um, there were visuals of African-Americans stealing chicken. So that created the stereotype of black people loving chicken and becoming criminals to steal chicken. Um, there were images such as, you know, you put a black baby in a tub and you try to wash the blackness off his face. Right. And no matter how much you how much soap you use. You can't wash the blackness off, almost treating the blackness as if it, as if it was dirt. That's right. Um, you had racist titles in these movies, um, included like the Three Pekingese, A Coon Cakewalk, Dancing Niggers, A Night in Blackville, The Coon and the Watermelon. You know, I know some people may laugh at this, but this was a common thing um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s when you've seen these titles. In these movies depicting black people in, in a certain way. Um, and then out of that, you got the rise of cartoons. Um, in the 1930s, cartoons, they would make black people be represented by monkeys, uh, wide nose, thick lips, uh, very dark skin complexion. Um, the character probably was unintelligent or, you know, uh, doing some type of uh, cannibalism, um, chasing around the, the, the white, the white cartoon. Um, making it seem like he was a a rapist or something of, of that sense. And they began to control how African-Americans looked at themselves and how white people should look at African-Americans. Um, and then rose the, the mammy, the black, the, the big black woman that you've seen with the, the head wrap on, where she represented the black woman that did the, the cooking, the cleaning, and she was devoted to being a second class citizen. She uh, she was uh, most notable images would be like on the syrup, uh, Aunt Gemma. Um, and in 1939, the movie Gone with the Wind uh, actually won a a a Oscar because of the black mammy that 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 was represented in that movie. Right. Best supporting um, actress, best supporting actress, Hattie McDaniel. And in that movie, it kind of glorified that. Slaves was actually happy before the Civil War. That's right. Um, and which is why a lot of people have taken that movie off the shelves. So even if even in movies where they actually casted uh, black people, um, they made fun of themselves. They made fun of their culture. They made fun of their um, made up history. A lot of that stuff was not true and accurate, but it, it created African-Americans in an image to hate themselves. Um Films portrayed African-Americans to be irresponsible. There were a lot of movies where African-Americans would be gamblers and they would basically gamble away all their money. Um, they would commit senseless crimes. 
Uh, so, you know, when we just think about those things in particular, you know, people say, you know, video games is hurting our kids. Uh, the way that music videos is hurting our kids. Well, think back in, in the 1800s and the 1900s and on up how African-Americans were portrayed in movies. Think about how that affected the African-American kid when they seen, OK, this is who we are. This is what we're supposed to look like, even in movies where, you know, they're always the criminals. They're always the failures. They're always the athletes or they're always only the musicians. We have to begin to look at that and we have to change the narrative because TV is beginning to brainwash our kids, we say. So we have to begin to brainwash them in a positive way. So just talk, just going through that chronology. Give me y'all's take on that. You want to go first? No, you go. First, I think this is an excellent topic. Because we, you go all the way back to episode one or two, where we first started talking about the black visual, mm -hmm. um, uh, black kids being able to see images of themselves. Mm -hmm. So when you move from the classroom to the TV set or to the movie screen, you start thinking about what are my kids watching? Right. Um, so before we get into that, let's talk about the classifications of blacks in movies really quick. Because there's five stereotypes that blacks usually play in roles in major movies um, or TV shows. The first is the magical Negro, mm -hmm. where the the black is looked at as somewhat of a superhero, some type of superpower to the you know to the effect of when we think about the Green Mile, mm -hmm. um, he was magical. Mm -hmm. The second one is the black best friend. So the main character is white, right? And he has a best friend that's black, mm -hmm. and that's usually the second stereotype role that blacks play in movies. The third is the thug, mm -hmm. because obviously uh, nobody can thug it like a black American, <laughs> you know. So obviously that's how they view us: mm -hmm. the angry black man, mm -hmm. the angry black woman. So they put us in this role where they think we're actually able to play who we really are. If you think about Denzel Washington and you think about the first Oscar that he won playing the black cop in training day, in training day that role is completely different than what you probably think he probably should have won an Oscar yeah, for. Yeah. But he played that role and some people believe it ain't like he was acting, he was playing himself. <laughs> you, you know, and in theory, maybe he was. Right, right. Um, but obviously, that's how white America depicts us. That's mm -hmm. how they view us. Quite naturally, also, that's how we view ourselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. On John Q, uh, I know Denzel played that role, but wasn't that guy really white? If if you think about it in terms of it being based off an actual movie, I, I think it was right mm -hmm. uh, something in real real life. Um, the, the the fourth one is the angry black woman, which kind of correlates with the thug. <laughs> right. We don't typically see women as thugs unless you think about uh, what was the girl's name and um, yeah, and set it off. You know, <laughs> they were kind of more like like thugs and set it off. But obviously, the angry black woman is the fourth role, and then the last one is the domestic. Um, like you were talking about Mammy being the 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 maid. Uh -huh. um, back in the day, I remember a TV show we used to watch called Benson. And it was a black guy who was basically a butler. Uh -huh. And, you know, we we viewed him as somewhat as a sellout. Uh -huh. Somebody working for, you know, a white man uh -huh. as a butler, almost like a paid slave. Uh -huh. um, but obviously the domestic is how white America views us in their film and TV. Uh -huh. 
And we also get the the image of Uncle Tom and Sambo during the history as well. That's right. You know, in the movie, I mean, well, in the plays, in the Broadway plays, Uncle Tom's character has actually changed from the actual book. Um, but it, it was more of a suck up. It was more of a, a sellout when Sambo was the real sellout in, in the story where he goes from the field and tell the master what's going what's on. What's going on. So That's right. Sambo and Uncle Tom. So you have to be very careful on who you call an Uncle Tom because originally Uncle Tom is supposed to be somebody who doesn't sell out the African-American. That's like, right. Uh, I think like movies like Birth of a Nation that showed us, you know, as uneducated. Yeah. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of times movies show us as uneducated. Um or or movies uh that they men prey on white women. Right. That's right. Um, I think that was also in the birth of nation as well. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of times, you know, these directors are not culturally sound to produce these movies because they paint us in the wrong light mm-hmm. instead of the right light, but they don't know the history. So they're only going off what they know or what they what they what they've been told. What are your what are your thoughts on white writers and white directors telling black history without black input. Uh, I would just, it was funny that you said that. I just seen the clip where Denzel said, uh, what's his name? Scorsese can do different movies than somebody else. Because I I think if it's a, if it's a black producer, then he should, he should do the black movies because he can go get educated and he knows how to pull from like when you see the picture of um the woman you were just talking about with the head wrap, man, yeah, uh, every, everybody mm-hmm. has a grandma that looks like that mm-hmm. that you can pull from that. Where a white person they can't pull anything from that, right? So yeah. I believe as as a black director, you can depict us in the right way, and you can go get more information and put it in there that black people may not may not have knew. But you you're gonna have to be an awesome director. To be able to direct or awesome producer to be able to produce a movie about a black individual or black culture when you're not black. It's going to be awful difficult because you cannot put yourself in the shoes of a black man or a black Mm -hmm. woman or a black culture Mm -hmm. if you're not black. Now, I realize a lot of people go, well, you can still make a movie about it. Well, here's the thing about movie movies. Movies are based on perspective Mm -hmm. they based on your interpretation of what you see Mm -hmm. well if you're not black then you don't see it from the black man's perspective Mm -hmm. or the black woman's perspective so that's going to be missing from that movie Mm -hmm. now you can go out and you can interview blacks you can go out you can get black actors and you can try to capture that but nobody's going to capture that like a black director or a black producer and not just movies we can even talk about photographs um, often when when white photographers take pictures of blacks, they don't understand that you're going to get that glare. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. going to get that glare when you're trying to photograph a black versus a white. Mm-hmm. Now, a black fo- a photographer should know that mm-hmm. going in. I'm going to get that glare or I'm going to get that light and dark where I'm not going to be able to really see the facial features. That's because you're black and mm-hmm. you understand that because You've taken pictures. You've had pictures taken of you before and you know how they look in the end. Mm-hmm. So even now, when you look at some of these podcasts, you see sometimes you can't see everything about our facial features. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
as a producer, as a director, when it comes to movies and it comes to photography, you have to know those type, types of things. They ain't going to teach you that in school. Right. You know, so having the experience of the culture helps. Absolutely. And then, you know, the first episode I was on, you know, you couldn't see that I had facial hair. That's right. The next episode, Big had a light right here because he understood. Nah, he has. I got to bring out his features and his That's face. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, great, great input. Um. Continue on with a little bit more history. Um, African-Americans begin to, you know, create their own films on lower budgets. But the problem with creating their own films was it still had to pass a board of white people. That's right. To where they would make them take certain things out. They would or scrap the whole movie or put certain things in to try. Because most black movies that started, of course, they wanted to challenge the racial discrimination of the Jim Crow era. That's right. Um, but a lot of things had to be taken out of of movies. Um, a guy by the name of, I don't know how to say the last name, I'm sorry, but his first name is Oscar. Um, but he attempted to make a lot of uh, racial uplifting movies, but um, a lot of them were shot down. So in 1898, um, the movie Something Good, Negro Kiss, Possibly the first black film shows two lovers embracing in a sweet kiss. Um, in 1910, two brothers, Peter and Bill Jones, created the first black comedy movies. Um, in 1910 as well, William D. Foster became the first man to form a film production company, which he called Photoplay Company. And moving in a moving picture, the Negro would offset so many insults of the race, could tell their side of the birth of their great race. Um, and you had the railroad porter was produced by a photo play company in 1912. It is considered the first film with an all black set. Um, in 1915 film classic birth of a nation that you mentioned earlier, um, which had 13 white actors in blackface portraying African-Americans, as you said, to be unintelligent. And this actually gave birth to, a uh, millions of memberships of the Ku Klux Klan because they thought this was was serious that 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 film. Um, and night from 1915 to 1950, the genre called race films emerged, which was movies with black cast for black audiences, which offset racism and stereotypes. And in 1919, the movie The Homesteader was based off a book. But the plot had to be changed due to in the book, the black man had an interracial relationship with a Swedish woman. Um, and then Spencer Williams got his movie funded in 1941 by white investors called The Blood of Jesus. And we will talk about this a little bit later on on why certain movies by black people are funded heavily. Right. Because it's pushing um, a certain agenda. All of these names are black white filmmakers. That you're, that you're talking about. Yeah, except for the birth of a nation. That's right. Um, all of those the, the irony is, is when you listen to, um, or when you start to look at black films in general, um, and we're talking movies, we're talking stage shows, we're talking TV. Um, the very first images, blacks are treated as one or two things. Either you see them as being unintelligent, almost slave-like, or comedians. Yes. Um, everything about us in the very beginning that you saw was about us being funny or unintelligent. One and, of the two. And that that cool. Well, both of them in an entertaining way to and entertain. It, absolutely. But you also got to put in perspective who's spending money to watch these. Yeah. It, it's not black Americans. Right. So obviously this is what they thought that white people wanted to spend their money 
to watch. Right. Uh, I'm going to mention a character, a guy named Lincoln Theodore Monroe Andrew Perry. Yeah, all those names. <laughs> uh, stage name was Step and Fetch It. You mm -hmm. guys may have even heard of him before. Um, but Step and Fetch It would do these routines where he would basically make fun of black people. Okay. He had Jamaican and Bohemian descent. Um, and so his accent was very strong, mm -hmm. which uh, he could make himself sound more unintelligent because of the accent. Mm -hmm. And he used that to his advantage. And a lot of people would say that the stereotypes was harmful and negative. But in fact, he was the first to make a million dollars from acting. So at the end of the day, he was able to earn a living that was probably more excessive than most blacks during that time doing anything else. Mm -hmm. So to say whether it was negative or not in terms of the race, yeah, we can argue that all day. Mm -hmm. He made a living. Mm -hmm. uh, later on in life, you would hear people like, and I'll mention him later on, Flip Wilson, who was one of the first blacks to have his own variety show in the 70s. Uh, Flip Wilson once said that without people like uh, uh, Step and Fletcher, you probably would not have people like Flip Wilson, Richard Pryor, Red Fox. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to be the butt of that joke first mm -hmm. in order to see us on the screen to say, okay, that's not what we want to do. We want to be on the screen, right. but that's not what we want to do. Mm -hmm. So you had to have those derogatory images first mm -hmm. in order to get to where we are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Again, this episode is sponsored by Serenity Sense. Follow her on Facebook and on Instagram at Serenity Sense LLC. Uh, we're going to continue on with this topic as you see things are getting deep as we just went through a chronology of history. Um, also, hit the subscribe button on the Mighty Motivation Network on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on the Mighty Motivation Network on YouTube. Um, so let's talk about black movies for a second. Um, because they have positive in black films and they have some negatives in black films. Um, so let's start with negative. What are some negative things that you guys see in, in black films um, that you kind of really want to see change? Let you go. Uh, for me, it would be um, like shows like The Shy, I think depicts, you know, a uh, I think they do a great job of depicting black people. Mm -hmm. um, the Wire mm -hmm. did a great job of giving us something we, we didn't see because we don't know what's going on in Baltimore. But through The Wire, we got to see what was Baltimore like uh, in the streets. We got to see what it was like politically. We got to see what it was like in the uh, corrupt uh, um on the police force. Uh -huh. We got to see how politics, um, police officers and the newspapers all combined into one uh -huh. and selling drugs. We wouldn't have known that had um, we not seen The Wire. Uh, the, the show on, I think it's on FX called Atlanta. Uh -huh. We wouldn't know what, was, what Atlanta is like. So I think um, having more black directors um, more black productions to give us shows like Blackish. Um, what's what's the uh spinoff of that? Um, uh, I got I can't I can't, I can't I can't just more shows like that. Um, Fences. 
yeah, uh, yeah. which is one of your favorite movies. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Denzel played an incredible role on that. Just just more stuff like that as, Absolutely. as black people that, that teaches us. Instead of using us as uneducated, uh-huh. as a pimp, as a gangster, you know, uh, I think Tyler Perry does a great job of depicting what a black man is not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, when you look at movies or any any images, I, I hate to associate the word negative with it because even when we talk about the halftime uh, Super Bowl halftime show, where it shows, you know, you have women. Uh, you know, grinding on each other on national TV. And we say, oh, it's negative. That's not what we want our kids to grow up to be. It's not. Obviously, it's not. I think it's an incumbent upon parents to have conversations with their kids and say, this is entertainment. Okay. It is entertainment first. And then it can also be educational because you don't have to be that person doing that particular thing to be successful. And I think sometimes we look at what people do as part of their success, mm-hmm. instead of saying it's a successful person kind of doing something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. So we have to have these kind of conversations with our with our with our kids so that they understand what they're actually looking at. I want to I'm going to tell you a movie that had a little bit of negative, but they played it in a way that to me made it very positive and educational and entertaining at the same time. And you guys are gonna laugh when I say the movie because you know because we talked about it. Drumline. And Drumline, they hear the band come out, and I think they was playing, you know, one of the latest songs and one of those songs where people could groove to, they can bob their head because they knew the song and everybody was vibing. And so when it was this particular band's chance to play, the guy said, yo, hit him with the flight of the bumblebee. (laughs) And at first, everybody was thinking, what is the flight of the bumblebee? I ain't heard, I've never heard that before. Intellect. That was a, a intellectual song, right. Flight of the Bumblebee. Since that, you guys have probably heard Flight of the Bumblebee a million times since then, but at the time, you didn't know what it was. Right. So it was, it was something that said, we don't know what that is. And then on the other side, we know exactly what that is now. Mm-hmm. So it was educational. It was one of those things where it made us look bad because we looked at that guy as a sellout. Right. But at the same time, he educated us. He taught us something. So when I look at movies, I want to look at it in terms of entertainment first. Mm -hmm. And then I try to decipher, is there something that I can learn from this movie? Even if it's fictional, uh, is it something that I can learn from it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's how we need to have our our young black youth looking at entertainment in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, I agree with that. I believe you you can get to a certain level where movies... Or just entertainment for you. You're you're not influenced by it. That's right. The same as rap music. The same as any other thing that we, we talk about. Uh, but parenting does come into a play because I remember Minister Society was my favorite movie, and I used to quote some things from Minister Society until I was corrected, <laughs> and uh, after getting in trouble a few times for because uh, as a kid you're looking at that and you're kind of glorifying that lifestyle. Um, I actually fell in love with rap music after I heard um, Dr. Dre nothing but a G thing, you know, it, That's right. it wasn't the song. It was the, the six foes bouncing up and down. That's right. It was the, the lifestyle that visual. The visual that, that I fell in love with. But I began as I grew and had parents that would tell me was this is entertainment. It is an education for you, but there are a lot of people out there who don't have that. You know, they look at things. I mean, I'm not even talking about kids. There are 
30-year-olds, 40-year-olds that's still looking at rappers as educational and not as entertainment. That's and I'm right. talking about rappers that are 18 and 19 years old. Uh, you, have, you have to be very careful at what you follow and, and what you glorify. Um, but again, like Shaquan said, you know, in, in white films, we were always depicted as thugs, gamblers, criminals, pimps. And I believe that the black director should have took note and said, okay, we've had enough of this. Um, we, we have to begin to look at some other way to portray, you know, who we are. The second thing is watching movies with my daughter. And my daughter likes a lot of the old classics um, that I used to love growing up. Black Friday. Yeah, but I, I like watching movies with my daughter that I've already seen. Because before the movie turns on, I know what parts I need to fast forward. That's right. But if you watch a new movie, it's almost like you're on pins and needles trying to find out what's about to happen here. <laughs> and I'm talking, I'm not even talking about adult movies. I'm talking about rated TV 14, That's you know, right. rated PG 13. That's like, what's about to happen here? Is this about to be a, a two minute slow motion sex scene that I gotta, you know, fast forward? Yeah. Is it about to be a zoom on the black woman's <laughs> butt that's walking by that's going to be there for 30 seconds as they pan the camera there? It's like, wait, wait a minute. What do I have to watch here? And I believe that filmmakers have to understand what their audience is and who's going to be watching that film. We can do without some of the pornography that's in, in some of the movies, especially the black movies, because what we consider hood classics are something that we're going to continue to go back and watch. And it's something that we want to introduce our kids to. But sometimes we can't because we know those parts are, are, are there. Um, not, not just movies, but video games. You remember the first time you guys had Grand Theft Auto? And you could pick up strippers and all <laughs> uh, that. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the, the, the noise of them in the car. And yeah. like, what the, you know, yeah. it, it'll drive you crazy because yeah. now you have a video game that's the, that's showing those early visuals yeah. of sexual contact, right. and it's in a car, right? You know, so obviously not just movies, but also video games as well. Music too. I mean, I I, I remember that when you guys were kids. I had to listen to all this crazy music from all these different rappers because I need to know what the hell I was talking about before you guys listen to it. So uh, thank God I don't have to do that anymore because I hate some of that music. But you you have to, I'm like you, you have to know what's coming yeah. before you expose your, your kids or your grandkids to them. And it's tough mm -hmm. because it comes from so many different angles. I right. mean, everybody and their brother making rap videos and rap songs now. Yeah. You can you can go on YouTube and get the latest, but you don't hear any of that on the radio. Yeah. So you got to be careful of what your kids are listening to or watching because those early visuals can come in so many different forms and fashions. Even mm -hmm. now on, on YouTube and prime television like ABC, they have soft sex scenes. That's right. Well, it, you don't even have to look at that. If you watch, if you have TV and you watch Let's say you watch football, Sunday football. That's right. The main commercials are beer commercials, food commercials, and they try to make that as sexy as possible. That's right. That's so, right. you know, the, the girl on there half naked eating a cheeseburger or drinking a beer sexually, uh, sexual comments are made. So we're starting to see little things being thrown out as visuals um, for our people. The one that bothered me, and I didn't think about this till years later, was in high school, people loved the reality show, Flavor Flav. Oh, Flavor Flav. Not just black people, white people love this show. And I started thinking about it years later. I was like, they were laughing at, at him, him. Not with him. Not with him. 
because you think about that show it was him trying to find a woman which people know behind the scenes he was probably sleeping with all of them but it just shows the pimp nature it shows the groupy nature it shows the 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 need for fame for certain black people when that was unintelligent. It, it showed the contradiction because right. if you listen to Public Enemy, <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he's the revolutionary. Public Enemy was one of the first rap groups to take talk about black awareness. Yeah, they were the first, if you will, awoke mm-hmm. black a uh, rap group mm-hmm. that was trying to awaken the black reality, the black culture, the black mind. Yeah. And this guy was at the front and center of that. And then that. Yeah. And, you know, I know Chuck D was like, oh, my God. And it was, and it was made fun of how black he was, how ugly he was, and how, how these women, why do they want him? That's right. It, it was just a bad look. And then you think about what Flavor Flav started. You had, after him, you had Ray people Jay. from his shows going on, Find a Find a Man, Ray J. And now we have Love and Hip Hop and all of this other that's drama right. that's just going on in the black community. And people eat it up on Stuff that a lot of the drama is made up drama. That's right. It's be, it's just showing that okay, these are the angry black women fighting in the streets, angry black men fighting in the streets, and it, it's horrible. Meanwhile, on ABC, you got The Bachelor, and they got suits on, and right. and they courting the the woman or the man, and now it looks more professional. But we go over here to Flavor Flav, this the ghetto side of that's right. Of the to, Bachelor, you go to VH1, you get the you get the ghetto version yeah. of The Bachelor. That's right. That's what it is. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about positivities in the black uh, films. Um, some of the things that I love is, you know, of course, it, it allows African-Americans to be portrayed in different ways. Um, black stories, um, especially black history stories that um, that we can see on film uh, for the, probably the past 10 years. Um, another positive is we're starting to see dark skinned black women. Um, get casted as the main cast member of movies. That's right. A lot of um, if you go back to the '90s and the late '80s, it was mostly light-skinned black women that were casted as these uh, main roles. Now we're starting to see different hairstyles. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have to have your hair straight. You can wear your hair in the afro. You can um, what's the the show Insecure mm-hmm. where uh, the girl she braids her hair up in different mm-hmm. type of styles. Yes, um, uh, it's a uh, it's a you're starting to see young black actors being being paired with the the older black actors. You know, you start to see the Jamie Foxx and the Michael B. Jordans together. You start to see the Denzel Washingtons and the Ashton Saunders together. Samuel Jackson and, and Jesse Usher. Viola Davis and Aja King. You're starting to see those right. mentoring roles, not only for the film, but it's showing the audience, okay, you have to be able to bring in the younger people and show them the way. So it, it, uh, we're starting to see the father figure shows. If you look on Netflix, Marlon Wayans has a show where he's a father. Jamie, Jamie Foxx, uh, right. Mike Epps now, um, Anthony Anderson, Keenan. Right. They all have shows where they're they're the black fathers. And uh, the Keenan show, his, his wife actually dies. And he's the 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 black father that's taking care of the household. Um, so we're starting to see more uh, true culture, the the uh, heritage again, the hairstyles and the language more in, in black movies that I, that I'm loving. Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, when we talk about the the father figure, it's, it's funny because one of the first uh, black comedies that I ever watched was Sanford and Son. Right. And completely different when you watch Blackish, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously. <laughs> Uh, Red Fox was one of the first comedians to break through on national television, and he had that sitcom that ran for a while. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, for those that don't know, Red Fox was a straight comedian and was one of the raunchiest. And the reason that he became popular is because he would say anything. Right. Cursing was a big part of his of of, of his stage presence. Uh, but it also sparked the the careers of people like Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And for those that know Richard Pryor, probably didn't realize that he had a he also had his own talk show, his own variety show. And they, they, it, they it, cut that off very. It quick. didn't last but four they episodes. Cut that off quick. And the, the, he got his start because Flip Wilson had his own show, mm-hmm. who was the first black variety show. And Richard Pryor was one of the guests and one of the writers on the show. And he wanted to curse. And Flip Wilson said, no, there would be no cursing. I need to I need to check. And so when Richard Proud performed one day, he cursed. Mm-hmm. Flip Wilson said, uh-uh, uh-uh. You, you want to curse? Get your own show. Bam, kicked him off. So he got his own show last four episodes. You yeah, know? yeah. So, but the fact that he had a show for four days, knowing what was going to happen, White America, because that's who controlled the media. It's NBC. We're, we're not talking cable. They didn't have cable, ladies right. and gentlemen. So we're talking NBC. Uh, they gave him the show because they said, you know what? If that's what you want and we think that viewers are going to watch it, let's see what happens. Right. You know? And so they experimented with these type of shows. And from that, you ended up with Montel Williams later on with his right. own talk show. But that's where you get the Huxtables mm-hmm. later on. That's where you got the Jeffersons. And that's where you got... Uh, uh, good times. Mm-hmm. So without Red Fox and Sanford and Son, you don't get those. Right. Without Richard Pryor, without Flip Wilson, you don't get those. Mm-hmm. Going back to Step and Fetch It, without him, you don't get those. Mm-hmm. So without Mammy, you don't get those. Right. So somebody had to be that sacrificial lamb. Somebody had to be that embarrassment. Somebody had to be that stereotype mm-hmm. in order for us to make it to where we are today. Now, is it good? No. Did it? Did we make it good? We are. Yeah, yeah we are. Mm-hmm. And so. just to piggyback off of that, uh, for me, shows like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, um, Martin, the Jamie Foxx show, the Jamie Foxx show, the the family owned the hotel. That's right. Yeah. Um, and in one of the later episodes, they told Jamie when he was going for a role that you know your ancestors were the first cowboys. In Texas, yeah, that's so right. they had to give through that whole episode. They gave him a, a history lesson on the family to go play that, uh, go try out for that role. But um, like shows like Martin, which we still watch today, and I know y'all gonna bring up, um, especially Baker, a different world. Um, that's right, absolutely. Just shows like that. It, it's just speaking off that real quick. Is also it it gave white America a sneak peek of what how blacks feel. Mm -hmm. So we go back to Sanford and son. I don't know how many episodes you guys ever watched, but there was a white police officer that will always come. And uh, he would say things and then they, they would look at the black police officer. He would translate. Yeah. Right. And then they would say something. The white police officer looked at the black police officer. He was translating. That tells you right there, there was a difference in how we communicated. Mm -hmm. So that's important because even today, that's a huge problem Mm -hmm. that white America, especially law enforcement, Mm -hmm do not understand how we communicate and we don't necessarily understand how they communicate. Mm -hmm. So that was huge. But if you move forward to some of these other, even just the sitcoms on the Jamie Foxx show, they talk very intelligent, right? You know, you didn't have Jamie was probably Braxton talked intelligent. The, the aunt talked intelligent, um, fancy Fancy. talked intelligent, you know, so they gave us a different view of how black people 
should be yeah. or could be or in general are. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're not idiots. We're not all comedians. We're not all singers. I had somebody tell me the other day they hate watching some of the commercials that black people are in because all we do is sing. <laughs> hey, those folks are earning a check. And I yeah. tell you what, you do that McDonald's commercial, I'm going to get a Big Mac. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, I think these people want to earn a living. And I had somebody say one time, well, they had us depicted as clowns. They did. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, you can call them Uncle Toms, you can call them clowns, but I work customer service mm -hmm. to a degree. And in customer service, <laughs> you, you're about as fake as it gets. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work at Walmart and you tell somebody, hey, how you doing? You don't really believe, you don't really care about that because they can say I'm having a crappy day and you go, oh, sorry to hear that, 1650. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't care. So as, as customer service, you are probably as fake as those individuals that were doing those clowns and not making nearly as much money mm -hmm. as those folks are. Mm -hmm. They earned a living. So I, I'm not going to knock them. Yes, it's a negative image. It portrays us in a negative light. But they earned a living for them and their families. And then we piggyback off of that. Right. To create what we have today. And Steve Harvey is one of those people, but Steve Harvey has opened up the doors for a lot of African-American comedians um, that has came behind him. So, you know, he has made a lot of money um, in white America by what we consider sometimes cooning. That's right. But he has opened the doors. Like you said, somebody has to be the sacrificial That's lamb right. sometimes. And um, sometimes it just has to be him. But when you look back at good times, um, you, you got a chronology of the growth of African-American filmmaking from those sitcoms. Because if you go from good times where you're crowded into one apartment, um, which was Cabrini Green, mm -hmm. um, and then you move towards the Jeffersons. So now you're you're in a deluxe apartment. That's right. right. You moved up. And then you, you moved, you moved up. up. And then you go to the Cosby's. Where now you got a whole house. That's right. You got a brownstone. You, now man. you can move the camera into the kitchen. You can move it in the living room. You can move it upstairs. Absolutely. You can move, uh, Dr. Hustable had his own office. That's right. You know, um, and then you move to a different world to where you got a whole college campus now. Absolutely. So now you, you, you just seen just in, the, in years how black film or black sitcoms just transformed everything. That's right. Because you're only talking about 15 years. Yeah. You, you're not talking about 30 or 40 years. We've only been in TV for about 70 years. Right. So you're not talking about a, a, a huge time span. Mm -hmm. So um, absolutely. Uh, I guess before we get in this, I want to take a quick commercial break because I don't want to go over um, the time. So we want to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Again, go to the YouTube channel. Um, subscribe Mighty Motivation Network. Go to the Facebook um, Serenity Sense LLC. Instagram Serenity Sense LLC. Comment uh, on the videos. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to continue to go on, and we're going to talk about influential TV shows, movies, or um, that that are actors and directors that are important for the African American community. Um, I'll start because Shaquan said it earlier. <laughs> You've been waiting on this. You've been waiting. You've been waiting for a couple of months. I've seen it on your. On I your know my <laughs> parents love me. <laughs> You've been waiting for months. Hey man, you know different <laughs> world is one of my favorite sitcoms. Uh, but it it captured an HBCU. Um, it captured intelligent students um, who were fighting social racial injustice outside of the classroom. So you got black students, and then you had black professors as well. 
And then you've seen those black students become black professors at the same college. So it, it was monumental to see uh, blacks, you know, in that light. And I don't know what the statistics may have showed, but I can guarantee that different world probably increased uh, college admissions for the African-Americans from the way that 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 show captured everything from inside the classroom to outside the classroom. And we've seen from a freshman, you know, somebody like a Dwayne Wayne grow into Kanishi Wa, you know, in, in this in the last season to That's where right. he's a, you know, uh, he was a, a math he was a math major. A math, a major. math major. He was great at math. Um Colonel Taylor was the teacher of math and which, you know, uh Dwayne Wayne was kind of scared of going into his classroom. Um you had Ron who was part of a fraternity. You had Freddie, um, Freddie, who was just different. She had a vibe. You, you saw different cultures. You saw different um, people because when you go to college, you, it is a culture shock. That's right. You um, also saw that light and dark skin thing with what's her name, Kim. Kim, yeah, Kim, you saw Kim that wanted to be a doctor. That's so right. Kim was trying to be a doctor. She was um, also working um, for uh, what is the guy's name in the um, that controlled the kitchen? Uh, was it wife Wolf? was Velma? Oh, I can't remember what his name was. Was it Walter? Walt, it might, no, Walter was um Sinbad. It was Chef something. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, God, but uh, so many even like somebody like Sinbad who played kind of the mentoring role of being the the college dorm person. Um, uh, just so many great things happened. So many star people came through. Um, and embraced their political stances. They uh, um, authors and and poets and all of these things. It was just a, a great show of our history and our our culture. Yeah, I like the fact that it was really the first introduction to um, HBCUs yeah. in, in television. Um, actually, that was my introduction to HBCUs. Right. That's when I first really started learning about historical black colleges and universities. And it was a spinoff from one of my favorite, which was The Cosby oh, Show. Sure. You know, and I know a lot of people looked at The Cosby Show as being corny. And it, it was. Um, you know, everybody wanted... Theo to come home with a DUI. You yeah. know, they wanted some realistic things that applied in, in their neighborhood. But obviously, uh, Bill Cosby took it an entirely different direction because he wanted to give those positive images. Right. He didn't want to use the negative images. Right. Um, and I thought that was unique because we hadn't seen that before, especially in the sitcom. No, not, and, not and, when he's a doctor and Claire's a lawyer. Absolutely. And I know a lot of people viewed him as America's dad. Now, again, we're talking about Bill Cosby, the entertainer, <laughs> right. not Bill Cosby, the person. But he told he, he taught us a lot of lessons. One of my favorite was when he was trying to teach uh, Theo about finances and Theo wanted to have his own place. And yeah. he had a job and he had money. And Bill was trying to tell him, well, how much is your rent? Four hundred dollars. Let me take that. <laughs> and he said, well, you want to eat? Yeah. Give me two hundred dollars. I'll eat fast food. Give me a hundred dollars yeah. back. You have a girlfriend? Yep. Yeah. Give me all that. <laughs> you got nothing. You yeah. know. So at the end of the day, that was a learning experience that. I actually use some of that in teaching you guys, yeah, right. you know, so he gave us those positive images about not who we were, but who we, we can be. be. Yeah. And I thought that was huge because at that time, prior to that, all we saw was bad. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, Michael Evans, his mom, you know, Florida was always a giving mom. Mm -hmm. She was always giving and giving, giving. And one time uh, said, yeah, we gave that away. And Mike said, yeah, that's why we ain't got nothing now. Yeah. You know, always giving away. So that's who we were. We were that poor family. We mm -hmm. were the Evans. 
you know, but looking at the Huxtables, we had an opportunity to see us as who we could be. Yeah. And I, I thought that was huge. That's fire. To piggyback off of that, for uh, one of mine was the Cosby Show, mainly because of, like I said, the, the lesson you just talked about. Uh, I remember you giving me that lesson at 16 when I was working at Walmart. So that's why that's vivid. But uh, for me, it was how uh, how Bill Cosby fathered the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when he came to the girls, most of the time, he would let Claire handle it. When it came to Theo, he would handle it. So, it, and then they was in a big house. That's so right. So as, as a black kid sitting at home watching it, it was like, man, we could have a big house like that That's when right. I get older. Or I could father like that. The other one is the Fresh Prince. Um, Uncle Phil was, he was really hard on them. That's right. And a lot of my parenting comes from Uncle Phil. The way he stayed on them, and then the way he stayed on them, but then how he would come back and love them. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Uh, that's that's about. lyrics favorite, right? One of her favorites. Love, love um, the Fresh Prince. Um, and when you look at the Fresh Prince, you look at season one, then you look at the last season, and you just seen how much Will grew. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know Will Smith coming from Philadelphia, you know, with just his mom, you know. Uncle Phil took on the father responsibilities, which is one of people's favorite episodes is when Will Smith's real father comes back. And most people, you know, they 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 champion Will Smith for uh, his acting in that part, which is true. That's right. But what Mark, I liked is before Will even steps in the room where Uncle Phil was telling his father that if, you know, Will is a growing man, you need to be here. And Uncle Phil took on that responsibilities. He was a judge. That's um right. You look at the 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 jokes about Carlton that Carlton was gonna go to Princeton. You look at you know the way he treated. You look at Hillary. Hillary was a spoiled uh, black girl. That's right. Um, you know, so when you look at the things that Fresh Prince showed, it showed again what African Americans could be. Um, but it it was more of bringing in this kid, and the only thing that he needed was a family. Mm-hmm. That's right. And another thing that I love is. Whenever his his mom showed up, she would always say, whatever they tell you to do, right. you do. That's right. Don't let me find out. You're not coming back here to Philly. Ain't right. nothing here for you. So she put her son in the best opportunity. Will, um, Will, Will also made, in Fresh Prince, he also made being smart cool. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He, he made being smart cool. Yeah. So when you look at a young knucklehead coming in from Philly, and then at the end, you know, he goes to college, graduates college, and gets married. You just seen the growth of Will Smith through the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, one of mine is uh, people laugh about it, but when you look at it, 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 it shows which is the Lion King. The Lion King was a symbolism of African pride. When, right. Even if you think about the first scene of you know Mustafa holding Simba up, goes back to roots. When we that's, look at roots, where right. you know Kunta Kinte holds uh, Kizzy up. When, when we we begin to look at the um, things like. You everything the light touches is ours, but if you go beyond the light, then it's danger out there. And that was symbolism because at one time in Africa they were told not to go to certain places because Europeans could capture them. Um, when you look at um, Rafiki, Rafiki was like that spiritual elder. You know the the way that he would uh you know take those things and put it across Simba's uh, face, and then you know the way he would take the thing and say, "Oh, Simba's still alive." That is spirituality at its finest in Africa. And even if you look at um, Mufasa being in the sky, talking to Simba, that's ancestors. That's the way that you connect with your ancestors. I'm always going to be with you. I'm always going to be watching you. 
So when you look at the Lion King, it was a symbolism. Not only it was based off in Africa, but it had Africa symbolism Absolutely. all through the movie. Absolutely. Um, this is why I love it. Absolutely. Um, you look at Princess and the Frog, um, a black princess in Disney. Amazing. Even if you look at the Disney World commercial now, one of the first pictures that you see is the the black princess spinning around. So little black girls can go into Disney World and say, I can be a princess because I see somebody that looks like me that right. is a princess. I don't have to to, you know, dye my hair blonde or, you know, paint my face white to That's look right. like Esther to be a princess. Family matters. Uh, yeah. Carl absolutely. was a police officer. Absolutely. Then there's one episode where Carl actually checks one of his white co-workers because he pulled over his son um, um, in a prejudiced way. That's right. That's the right. Boondocks. The Boondocks. Animation absolutely. where you seen Huey was a radical and right. Huey always spoke the truth. That's Huey right. Was before his time. Way before <laughs> his time. Uh, you I got one. Go uh, smart guy. Yay. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Smart guy. It was black father, father and Three kids mm -hmm. on his own. I think I think the mom had died, but he had a yeah. smart he had a smart son, smart daughter, smart daughter, fast daughter, <laughs> uh, and I don't want to say dumb son, but he he cared about music, yeah, and sports yeah. more than he cared about school. And to watch him balance all three of those personalities, and then balancing the fourth, which was Mo, right? <laughs> yeah, how he handed that. You know, it showed him waking up in the the opening. Episode one was him in the kitchen making the kids lunch yeah. for school. I, I got two, and, and this is the same act in both. So first, I'm going to go Fences. And the reason that I love Fences is because you had a little bit of everything. Yeah. Give him, give him the famous line. Off of <laughs> I'm going to give you the famous <laughs> line because that line is so true. And I think a lot, especially black men, need to understand this line. But just to set the stage real quick is you had Denzel playing the part of showing all the things he went through, all the struggle and frustration that he went through. And he had the opportunity, he had an opportunity early on to play professional baseball. And of course he lost that opportunity because now it's time to have a family. Mm -hmm. And so he sacrificed. And a lot of the movie, he talks about his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And you could see and you can hear the frustration and some points it almost sounded like resentment mm -hmm. towards people because he sacrificed mm -hmm. and you could start seeing it seep out. And there's parts where, of course, we talk about how some of those fears and some of those sins of our forefathers kind of carry over to, you know, the kids and, and the other family members. And you could start seeing where son felt some resentment or felt like his dad had some resentment in one scene. He says, because you don't like me. I know you don't like me. And Denzel said, you worried about whether I like you yeah. or not? You ought to be worried about whether I do right by you or not. Mm -hmm. The same with a teacher or, 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 or a manager or anybody in society. You shouldn't care about whether they like you. Are they doing right by you mm -hmm. is what you ought to concern yourself with. But he also found out that he wasn't the only one who sacrificed. He found out that his wife also sacrificed mm -hmm. and she was right there with him, which I thought was a good family unit move me up until that point. Of course, we know the whole story, how it played out. But obviously, that's what black families do. They try mm -hmm. to stick together. Uh, the other one was Glory. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I ought to mention Glory because uh, if you had to give Denzel Washington an Academy Award for anything, it mm -hmm. should have been glory. for Glory mm -hmm. because the role that he played, he was the antagonist 
to other blacks for a long time throughout. And then as time went on, you saw that his attitude quickly changed yeah. because he started to understand, you know what? I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm clowning them the same way that these white people are clowning them. Mm-hmm. I need to stop. I'm, I'm causing dissension. And he was causing it out of hate, mm-hmm. out of pure hate. But there's a one scene where he gets whipped. Whipped, yeah. And his facial expression almost. And for those that say Denzel can't act, I want to know how many people watched that scene and didn't either get angry or teared up. Right. You can blame it on a pollen if you wanted to. Right. But at one point, you probably felt some tears because he took that whooping. But at the same time, I think America took that whooping along yeah. with them. And to me, that was powerful. That movie, that scene, because also throughout the whole movie, you saw where it divided families, but united unlikely friends. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing. You know what's crazy? That movie, I can't remember nothing else from that movie, but that part where the tears coming down Denzel. Absolutely. It's better than my mind. I can't remember Absolutely. nothing else about that movie but that. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he played the part in that. Um, coming to America, coming to America too. You know, just the the seeing African-Americans in that light was huge. So you, you look at coming to America you know, this African comes to America and he's treated like royalty. You know, even if, we, you know, when King Joffrey shows up, it's like in Harlem or, or, or in, in New York, it's like this, your majesty is here. That's right. You know what I'm saying? This is how, this is the power that we have. And then coming to America too, you know, a lot of people didn't like the plot. I didn't care less about the plot. I was looking at the Africanness that was in the movie. The family atmosphere that was in the movie, the great black actors that was in the movie. Um, And then, of course, Black Panther. I've talked about this on previous episodes. The way Black Panther was way more than just a superhero movie. It captured so much. You know, I I talked about, you know, black, darker skinned black women being in movies now. Black Panther, they made it their point to try to cast dark skinned women. That's right. There there were even light skinned women who turned the movie down to say, no, you go cast darker skinned women um so just that movie in general just did so many things um when we begin to look at actors uh sydney poyer well um you know one of the things he did he was the first african-american to kiss a white woman on, on screen on screen um on guess who's coming to dinner first interracial kiss film in u.s in 1967 um he began his basically his career with raising in the sun the broadway play that attracted a large black audience. Uh, it was based off a poem by Langston Hughes, which is why we show that writers and filmmaking goes synonymous. So we have to begin to bring some of these visuals to the screen because um, a lot of these African-American writers did such a great thing that we just need a visual of it now. Um, he played a number of roles dealing with uh, racism. You talked about fences. Uh, James Earl Jones also played uh in the play offenses. That's right. Um, where he did an incredible job. And he also played in one of my favorite movies, The Lion King, that, right. that Mustafa voice, that black presence. <laughs> um, but he was the first black to play a president on, on film, which is huge because a lot of people had to look at that and say, it's possible that we can have a black president. Um, but his voice is in many documentaries. Um, you look at, you know, his African presence as the father figure role in most of his in most of his movies. Um, and he's been acting over 70 years. Imagine acting over That's 70 right. years. And to right. us, he's looked the same. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> when you talk about blacks in film 
I want to name a few people. You named Hattie McDaniel, who was Mammy and Gone with the yeah. Wind. Um, but there was a Mom's Mabley, um, Pigment Markham, mm-hmm. uh, Josephine Baker. Yes. And I, I think the, just the name alone probably inspired yeah. you to yeah. do a little research about Josephine Baker. But she was the first black woman to star in a major motion picture mm-hmm. um, in 1934. She was also equally known for what we always talk about, civil rights. Yes, she, she was. was. High, she was big in civil rights. Um, Dorothy Dandridge. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. probably saw um, some movies or TV shows about her. She was the first black actress nominated for Academy, Academy Award for Best Act- Actress, uh-huh. um, starring in a 1954 film called Carmen Jones. Yes. Um, she's also the first black woman to be on the cover of Life magazine. So the I, first Carmen Jones was black? Yeah, Dorothy Dandridge. Dorothy Dandridge. I never knew that. Um, and Cleopatra. That's right, and Cleopatra. <laughs> <laughs> Eltha Waters, uh, Walters, uh, 1962. Oh, Scott Waters, the first black actress to receive, uh, nominated rather for an Emmy for a guest appearance on the Good Night Sweet Blues episode. Mm. Um, Cicely Tyson. Yes, that's right. First, I, I'll be honest with you, before Roots, I saw uh, Miss Jane Pittman. Yes, yeah, nineteen seventy-four. You you talking about somebody who played Black history roles incredibly? Cicely Tyson did, and she always had that mother grandmother. Absolutely, role, absolutely. You know? She was another one that I don't remember movies where she didn't play an older lady, right? You know, and uh, she was that first Black image of seeing Black people stand up against racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those that never seen Miss uh, Mary Miss Jane, Jane Pittman, Pittman, you need yeah. to go check that out. Uh, Diane Carroll. First black Diamond actress Carol. star on to own her own TV series. Yeah. Very first, uh, 1968. I wasn't even born yet, you know. Paul Robeson, mid 1930s. Um, he was in movies like Showboat and King Solomon, um, City of Portier, in the heat of the night. He in the heat, in of, the the heat night. of the night. Okay, you guys are laughing because you know my mom know <laughs> loves him in the heat of the night. The movie and the TV yeah. show. So in the heat of the night uh, was was huge. He he also won an Oscar. City City yeah, Forty Eight won an Oscar. But just some other names you guys may have heard. And if you get a chance, Google check it out. Uh, Lena Horne, mm-hmm. um, Harry Belafonte, Ozzy Davis, Ruby D, Noble Ruby Johnson, D. Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> Uh, Hold on, before you keep going, Ruby D was big for me because she looked just like my grandmother. Absolutely, so, she did. I, I, I love Ruby <laughs> D. Um, Butterfly McQueen, James Edwards, Pearl Bailey, Cab Calloway, Brock Peters, Black Cowboy. Yes. Any of the movies, old westerns you see, and there's a Black Cowboy, Brock Peters is probably in it. And there's another guy that's in it as well. Um, Canada Lee, Woody Strode. Is the other black cowboy. Mm-hmm. So whenever you watch these old westerns and you see black cowboys, it's probably one of those two. Um, Ruby Dandridge, Matthew Stymie Beard, uh, Billy Buckwheat Thomas. Buckwheat. Ooh. Yeah. I was going to say Billy D. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> and another, then, another black that played in the Gone, Gone, Gone with the Wind that people probably overlooked is Oscar Polk. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he played a major role in Gone with the Wind. So these are just people who were prevalent in black films back in the day that, um, you know, paved the way for people like a Denzel Washington. Yeah. So without these folks going through what they went through, you, you probably don't get that. Yeah. I'll throw in Morgan Freeman as well. You That's know, right. What he did with Lean On Me. And then, you know, he played a, the president in a, in a few movies, um, which were big. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back again. Go to the YouTube channel, Mighty Motivation Network. Hit the subscribe button. 
and catch up on all the latest episodes. Um, so we just talked about a few actors. Um, there's a few writers, producers, and directors that I want to talk about um, briefly as well. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this last name, but his first name is Oscar. <laughs> I, know, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> I ain't going to try to screw it up. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> but if you want to Google it, M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Michaud's maybe? I don't know. Um, but he, uh, the genre of movies during the Jim Crow era that were created for and by black people. He was an African-American author, film director, and independent producer of over more than 44 films. His company, Lincoln Motion Picture, was the first movie company owned and controlled by black filmmakers. Um, he regarded as the first African-American uh, future filmmaker, a prominent producer of race films. Many of his films featured all black cast and his characters were not stereotypical, unlike the blackface um, seen in more mainstream white films. He tackled subjects such as racial violence, rape, economic oppression, discrimination within his work. Um, which led to somebody now the name of Gordon Parks, which became the first major black director in which you've seen the movie Shaft. Uh, Shaft was a black hero with the revolutionary look that made black beautiful on television. Uh, John Singleton, all of those who know the name, uh, gets a lot of flack because he captured a lot of black reality. Um, now, I'm not going to blame him because it needed to be showed. He brought that into white America and placed it in their backyards when movies like Boys in the Hood to show this is what's going on in the other part of L.A. That's right. <laughs> you That's know what right. I'm saying? This That's right. When, when you're at Beverly Hills, this is what's going on on the other side. Right. You know what I mean? And I believe he was monumental. I believe he was the James Baldwin of filmmaking. Um, and, he, and he brought white America to poor black communities. The only problem was too many people behind him tried to do the same exact thing. And now that's why we have a too many hood movies. That's right. um, but, you know, his resume is Boys in the Hood, the new show Snowfall that people love, Baby Boy, Higher Learning and Poetic Justice. Spike Lee, you know, he did Malcolm X, Do the Right Thing, um, loved his last uh, movie, uh, The Five Bloods and the Black Klansman. What's the, uh, what's the, is that a Spike Lee movie? Um, dang. Were they, uh, I think they in a fraternity? Yep, School Days. School Days. School right. Days, Capture the Fraternity, Get on the Get Bus. Get on the Bus. Huey Pugh Newton story. So he captured a lot of revolutionary black stories. Absolutely. Um, and I love Spike Lee's movies. Uh, one of my favorites is actually, uh, Anna, Anna at St. Um, at Saint, uh -oh. Miracle at St. Anna, which captured uh, uh, the black soldiers in World War II. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name either, but her first name is Ava. Duvernay. Duvernay. Selma. When They See Us, the Central Park Five story that she did an incredible job with on Netflix. And Queen Sugar. And she also was a producer on the great documentary, uh, 13th, which uh, talks about prison and uh, the, being a new slavery. Ryan Coogler, Black Panther, Creed, Fruitville Station, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, just an impressive black films already. That's um, right. And then Jordan Peele, we know the great work he's been doing with uh, stuff like Get Out and Us. And he also was one of the writers on Lovecraft Country, which was a great show that actually made black people go back and do a lot of black history research. Uh, Issa Rae, who got her own show. Issa Rae. Just signed a deal for more shows. Absolutely. Uh, so we're starting to see a, uh, a lot of new black directors, producers and writers 
they're really bringing uh beautiful uh visuals to um to our screen that's right um Let's see. You know, something else I've, I've realized, I, I didn't know this beforehand, but when you talk about Oscars Academy Awards, um, they were over th since 1929 or some crazy number. Since 1929, there's been over 3,000 awards given. Only 43 have went to blacks. That just goes back to show you. Again, as we talked about earlier, the money that's put behind certain black movies that's right. um, has an agenda. And we talked about the Oscar for when, for playing Mammy. That's right. You know, we know the roles that white America wants to give black people and the way that they want to portray black people. And it's not in the the beautiful visuals. That well, we if have. you even think about the, the latest one, the guy that played the villain in um, the Black Panther movie. Uh, yeah, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. No, no, no. The uh, and the client, uh, the uh, the joint where he betrayed oh, him. Just in the black yeah, yeah. Yes. He, he he got nominated yeah. for Oscar for betraying him. Yeah. You know, best supporting actor. Yeah. So you yeah. know, obviously, uh, it appears that the moviegoers love to see black people play these roles. Yeah. Either the the mammy types or the Denzel Washington in Training Day, the yeah. bad guy. Um, what's the um, one with the lady Oprah wanted? Winfrey and the um the one where she's beating her daughter constantly. Absolutely, yes. Um, I can't yes. think of what the movie um, name is. But. I mean, uh, you, precious, 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 precious. Yes. You know, so they love seeing us in these negative lights. To not the Oprah point, Winfrey, Monique. I'm sorry. Yeah, Monique. to the to the point that they want to give us Oscars when we play yeah. those those bad roles or those roles that show us in a negative light. Mm -hmm. Um, and and. Obviously, we're some good actors to be able to do it. Yeah. But, you know, what about when we play like Officer and a Gentleman? When, you know, you have a, a black person playing those type of roles yeah. that, um, you know, obviously educated, smart, um, articulate. We, we don't get Oscars for that. Fact. That's the one that you guys seem to think is so unique. He's so well-spoken. Can we get an Oscar when we play those kind of roles? Facts. What are some uh, movies, Shaquan, that you would like to see on screen? Some some visuals that you would like to see on screen. Uh, just more, I think more black history um, TV shows or, or movies, mm -hmm. per se, um, that doesn't portray us as the athlete, that mm -hmm. doesn't portray us as, you know, like we said, Uncle Phil was a judge. Yeah. Uh, Bill Cosby was, you know, a, what was Bill Cosby? A doctor. A doctor. A doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, just more more stuff that we can learn from. Right. Not more stuff we've already seen or they they take, you know, and, and create something else. But just more things that, uh, that educate us. Right. You know, I, I would say that more things that educate us, things that I can watch with my kids and uh, I can be educated on. They can be educated on. Well, I want to see them show more uniqueness in things that our youth should or could participate in. We got the sports. Yeah. We got the sports movies. Um, I grew up watching the artistic movies um, and TV shows like Fame and uh, Breaking and Beach Street with the street graffiti and all that good stuff. Um, one of my favorite movies is Achille B, um, you know, with the spelling bee. Um, the Great Debaters is one of my favorite yes, movies my, right. um, where you're watching these educated bl blacks debate yeah. 
um, at a as an educated level and in, in, in intellectual level. Um, I would like to see uh, drumline, even though it was geared towards the drums, which we love the drum ever since Roots. Right. You know, that's what we do. Um, but I would like to see more uniqueness in terms of what blacks are into. Um, I like movies where blacks uh, actually I watched one the other night where the kid wanted to be a, a, a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. He wanted to get in the film and got caught up with a thug and monster. Yeah. Monster, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome movie. Yeah. But it it showed what you could be. And then it pulled them back in yeah. of what you are likely to be, because this is what your neighborhood, your environment uh, people like you typically do. Mm -hmm. I want to see us in a different light. I want to see the kid that wants to be a mechanic. Yeah. I want to see the 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 kid who wants to grow up and be a actually be a bus driver, a school bus driver. Mm -hmm. hey, listen, to be successful, you don't have to be this extraordinary superhero. Yeah. You can be a regular person. You can be the cashier at Walmart and still be unique if yeah. that's where your passion is. Mm -hmm. I want to see that. I want to see somebody wanting to play the clarinet yeah. at the school band. Yeah. Um, it's unpopular. Mm -hmm. I want to see that because these are things that there's a child somewhere that want to do these things. It's just not popular. Right, right. I want to see that. Mm -hmm. So you see people, you know, um, there was a show on Netflix where two black students are actually um, that play instruments like that and actually trying to be a part of the opera um which is good um i, I want i think there's a fine line between genius and insanity oh, and absolutely. also a fine line between awareness and glorifying i want to see more glorification towards things that we are already are it's just not shown enough um whether that's doctors lawyers business owners astronauts um chemists judges that's bankers right. brokers anything right. that anything that can be heroes without being a part of dc and marvel that's right you know what i mean i just want to see more of a variety of things not as supporting actors I want to see the main role being these black actors in this in this uh, way. Also, the black family where the mother and the father are both successful. That's right. And they're raising the kids to be successful after the grandparents were successful. And I want to see it without scandal. Right. I don't want to see every time you put these black politicians on the on the television or that there's some scandal that has to be involved with it. Or somebody black trying to bring them down. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to see that um, because there are, are shows where white people are like that and there's no scandal around it. Um, also, again, I want to see, we have to be very careful of being educated by movies. So when you watch the movie in the beginning, say, based on a true story, this means only 2% can be Fact-based. The 98% could be Hollywood. We have to be very careful at just allowing movies to educate us. That's right. We So I want to see more 98 to 100% fact-based movies on black history than rather than the 2% you try to give us and the 98% drama you try to give us. So when you look at the Harriet movie, a lot of it was fact-based. That's right. But when you look at 
hidden figures. A lot of it was fact-based, but I want it without the white savior. That's right. The, the character that played Kevin Costner in that movie didn't exist. We don't, the African-Americans didn't need a white savior. If you watch The Help, The Help was supposed to be a fictional story, but we know it was a non-fictional story based off one of the maids that actually wrote the, the story. That's right. But they created a white savior of this white lady writing it for them and bringing it to people. We don't always need a white savior in movies to do things for black people because it makes the say, okay, they need a white person on their side for them to get things done. That's, that's not right. true. That's right. That's not and true. That's not, that's not accurate history. And a lot of people think that that's why the civil rights movement was successful is because you had white Americans start dying for the cause. Right. Listen, I'm with you. You don't need to have anybody else be a part of it in order for it to be legitimate. Right. You you don't need it. You don't need that savior. And I'm with you. The Kevin Costner character did not exist in Hidden Figures. There was nobody to stand up for when she said she got tired of going all the way across yep. to use the colored bathroom. There, there was nobody. There was no savior to come fix that. No. That didn't happen. You know? Suffered through it just like everybody. If you watch the green, the green book, when the guy's traveling across the country, you guys watched that playing the piano? Yes. And had the, uh, I don't think he was white. I think he was more Italian than anything that was driving for him. And he went to this home in, in, in North Carolina, I believe, uh, to play. And he had to use the restroom. He's a great going to the bathroom. Oh, whoa, whoa, where you going, brother? Yeah. Uh, that's you out there, right there. Yeah. You know? And he says, huh. If I have to go back to my hotel to use the bathroom, it's going to take about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we'll wait. He was willing to wait than have this brother use his bathroom. Mm-hmm. See, so at the end of the day, you don't have to have a white savior yep. to do your thing. No. There was no savior for this dude in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to do his thing. Now, I mean, the, the Italian guy ended up coming around and really showing him that, you know, I suffered through the same things you suffered through. Mm-hmm. You know, so just because you're black. Doesn't mean that you're the only one. Right. So I thought it was unique that it was no savior, but it was equality. Yeah. In bad treatment. Right. So you 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 it's not necessary. Um, I want movies on Tulsa, Oklahoma. How can you have Black Wall Street and the only thing we're gonna get is a documentary? Why not put the visual out there? The Lovecraft right. Country did a whole episode where they put the visual out there, but I need I need more. That's I right. I need more. Um Marcus Garvey, th- there is talks that a movie is coming. Should have been having. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois, Tuskegee Institute, Booker right. T. Washington, uh, Sojourner Truth, um, Granville Woods had over 60 inventions. Give me a movie. We let Wonder Woman have the Amazons when we know the real Amazons <laughs> is from the homie, uh, the, the homie Amazons out of Africa that fought the Dutch. That's right. Why are you giving me Wonder Woman in these Amazons? Come on, man. Come on. Come on, Black. Now, I love these two movies. Dangerous Minds and Freedom Writers. Love them. <laughs> but there are some black teachers that did the same thing. That's Come right. on now. We don't always need the, the white savior. Now, these two movies are incredible. They did a great job with these movies. Uh, Julia Roberts played her tail off in Freedom Writers. Love the movie. Shout out to her. But Elizabeth Thorne Scott, where's, my, where's her movie? That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like There are a lot of black things. We talk about Egypt. We get mad when they come out with an Egypt movie and ain't no black people casting in Egypt. Why can't we just make a movie ourselves? Why we got to wait on white America to create a Hollywood movie? No one they ain't going to get it right. That's right. No one ain't going to tell it the way we want to tell it. Not just talking about Egypt. Where is our Kush movie? 
Where's our Mali Empire, Ghana Empire, the Nock culture, the, the kingdoms that went to Ethiopia and Sudan that also built pyramids? Where are their movies? We don't need the Romans and the Greeks gods. What are you talking about? <laughs> that was a copycat from African deities. I don't need Percy Jackson to tell me about that. Come on now. Agree with the Percy Jackson. Yeah, go ahead. Come on now. Now I love the Percy Jackson books. But I can, but now that I know about my African culture and history, I know those Greek, those Greek and Roman gods came from African deities. That's right. So where where is that at? Um and when we begin to talk about, and I don't like the stretching of the truth either in some of these movies. You know, you look at glory. They tried to make the coach the white savior, and some of the players said, nah, that ain't it. He That's was right. racist, too. He just happened to play five That's black right. players because he wanted to win. They had nothing to he, do with him. That's right. And he he, thought, he would, thought they were the better players to give him a chance to win. Facts. The Express, you know, you know, they showed um, Ernie Davis coming out of to play against West Virginia, and they throwing bottles at him. He said, that never happened. We ain't even playing West Virginia. West Virginia <laughs> came to Syracuse. That's right. You don't have to stretch the truth. And Ernie you, Davis you, went through enough when you ain't got to stretch it. You don't see them stretching the truth when they have movies about Thomas Jefferson. No, no. They're going to stretch that. Um, <laughs> that, that the cat and the mouse game with Harriet Tubman and her former slave master. Really didn't need didn't, it. Didn't need it. Didn't really didn't need it. Didn't need it. We know, because now you got some people going around who ain't going to do their research to say, oh, yeah, she got in a shootout with her former slave master. No, she didn't. That part's not true. That's right. Part's not true. It's, it's made up. Um, and that's the other thing is, don't be afraid to ask somebody, hey, is this for? Because I, I, do, I do it to you all the time. I yeah. did it when I got here about uh, Godfather in Harlem. Like, yeah. is this part true? And then they give me the information on why it's not true, why they stretched it, and and to to make it, you know, because it's Hollywood. So don't be it's, afraid. It's got to be entertaining. Yeah, right. they want to make it entertaining. Yeah, we we know it has to be entertaining. There's nothing wrong with that. But give us more fact based than you give us. That's right. Drama based. Because um, you may find out with the facts, you got all the drama and, and entertainment you really that's need. All you need. <laughs> you that's might not need the rest. All you need. Now you don't know? don't be afraid to try to put some of these things out and the network try to shut it down. Nathan Parker, what he did with uh, the birth of a nation and telling the story about um, the, the the slave rebellion, incredible because it wasn't whitewashed. That's right. It was not whitewashed. We have to be very careful at, at, at whitewashing because like, when you talk about the Harriet Tubman movie, somebody had the bright idea to say, let's cast the white woman as Harriet Tubman. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. And he was right because there's probably some people who wouldn't know. You know what I'm saying? Or they, or they wouldn't care. And for yeah, all the people out there, yeah, do your research, do your history. The Underground Railroad was not a real railroad. That's right. I don't, I don't know. We shouldn't have to explain that to some people. It's <laughs> not a real railroad. <laughs> now, in the new show that's on Amazon, it is a, 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 railroad, a railroad and a train. Underground. It is a train but underground. It is a fictional story. That's right. <laughs> a fictional story that has. It, it does have some truths in it. There that is truth. That when people watch it, I want you to pay close. We talked about this too. Talk about how they're killing the black men up north. Yes. And they're basically uh, 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 making so that the women can't have any black kids. Yeah. Which obviously did take place in the United States. Right. So. Um, now I want to wrap this up um, real quick. And Dad, I'll let you uh, talk in a second. But my last thing I got to say is not just Visually for movies, I want to see visual for books, more books. Now, there are a lot of black children's books now. Um, shout out to uh, Jacqueline Woodson. 
uh, Nikki Grimes, uh, all of those type of people who are putting out black children's books. But I remember the reason why I wrote my first book is because I went back to my middle school years. And I remember going into the library and there was a small section of maybe African-Americans on the covers of a book. And I went in there looking for those books. Uh, eh, eh, don't look like me. Eh, black person on the book. What's this about? That's what I went in there looking for. That's right. I wanted to see a black person on the book so I can read it and be interested in it. And one author that was in every, that was in the Bedford Middle School's um, library that I always looked for his book was Walter Dean Myers. He had a, a bunch of black books in that library, and that's what I was looking for. So I wrote my books for somebody to go in there looking for something that they can relate to. And we need more of those books. We need more of those James Baldwin, Zora Hurston, Richard Wright, Christopher Paul Curtis type of authors to put these books out so we can begin to see that image on the front of the book so we can relate to it and, and begin to uh, educate ourselves on what's on the inside of the book. That's so right. that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book is because I wanted to see because Walter Dean Myers inspired me to 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 put those black faces on the covers of the books and and really dive into the African Americans because there were limited. Even if you go into going to Barnes and Noble, they have a black section, very small, but it's very very small, very small, very very small. <clears throat> so um, I encourage everybody um, to look at those that that artwork. Um, but dad, I want to talk to you real quick because you are an artist who drew this beautiful picture um, in front of my book, actually. Um, <laughs> how is the art important the, as, as far as the drawings? Because um, we know those are revolutionary as well. Absolutely. Art's important because it is an expression. Mm -hmm. And anytime you get to express yourself, one, you got to feel privileged because it's a day and time where um, I'll our rights are becoming privileges rather than rights and expression, freedom of expression. And then the uniqueness of the expression is very important. Mm -hmm. So if you have any, in my case, I I've been blessed with being able to draw and I'm not going to say that I always enjoy it, but when I'm motivated to draw, that's my expression. That's me able to express myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that's important for me to be able to do that. Going back to something that you said about books, I, I want more writers, more black writers. Right. Uh, I'm with you. But to have more black writers, we got to have more black people reading them. Yeah. So and, and we're talking about books, physical books. I'm not talking about getting on your laptop or your nook or whatever and reading electronic books. I want to see some kids with some books in their hands right. actually reading physical books. You know, all these books. I don't know if you guys can see all these books behind us, yeah. but he's got tons of books books you got to read some books man that is the best form of expression there is is the ability to be able to read mm -hmm. and to be able to read a book a book of your choice because when you read these books you develop your own interpretation remember we talked about film and movie F film and movie is based on perspective so the director the producer the actors are giving you their perspective do you ever get to develop your own in a movie? Not really. It's already a lot of times if you watch the trailer, it's already leading you up to believe what the movie is about yeah. before you even watch it. Read this book. 
There's nobody telling you. You can read the preface if you want to, right. but there's nobody telling you anything about this book to develop your perspective. It's all you. Mm-hmm. When you're able to sit down and read, I know some people say, I fall asleep when I read. Figure it out. Right. Figure it out. But you've got to go back to being able to read the basics, man. Read the book, develop your own interpretation, your own perspective, and you will start seeing things in a different light. I think that's huge. Absolutely. And not just black filmmakers, but white filmmakers would put truth in their movies. They just don't expect you to go research it to find out if it's true or not. Exactly. So you can find truth in the movies that you watch, but it is your responsibility to go do research and further your truth. So anybody that went out and watched Harriet, you should immediately go went in and read a book about it. Anybody that watched Hidden Figures, you should immediately went and say, I need to know more than this. Because two hours is not enough because most of it is going to be the drama-based things. You have to go back and look at the readings of things so you can get more information on some of these books. Um, so uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for uh, watching. And we pray that Everybody gets something from this, but we hope that whenever you look at the visuals, that you become educated and not just entertained. So uh, really be very careful of what you, because I love the dramas too. I love Snowfall. I love The Shy. I love all of those, the dramas too. But I'm, I'm, I'm conscious enough to know that I can't overload myself in just dramas. So a lot of the shows that I watch has real history in it. To where I can go back and read up on the history. That's right. Documentaries. Um, there are a ton of documentaries on the History Channel uh, about black history. Autobiographies are huge. Absolutely. So we, we really have to get more in tune to our black visuals. And that will get us some more in tune to our black history. And when we do that, the black future looks great. Thank everybody for tuning in. We love y'all. Peace. Rest in peace, Paul Mooney. I was going to say the Rest same. in peace, Paul Mooney. <laughs>